More than any other time in the past, we need to connect ourselves and children with nature and the environment. My name is Kevin O'Shea, and I'm an environmental educator who wants to connect all of you with a bit of inspiration. In each episode of the Nature Talks podcast, I'll talk to incredible educators, scientists, thinkers, and innovators who are connecting those around them to nature and the outdoors and inspiring new generations of environmental stewards. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to episode number 15 of the Nature Talks podcast, the environmental education podcast. This week, we've got another fantastic episode. We're going to be talking all about citizen science, conservation through the lens of trail cameras. This is a really neat episode. Um, I was really fortunate to have Wombat from Japan Trail Camera stop by the podcast and share with us the neat things he is doing in Japan with a series of trail cameras throughout the forests of Japan, researching, documenting wildlife, animals that live in Japan. And this is, I think, just a great model for anyone, no matter where you are in the world, if you're interested in learning about local wildlife, flora and fauna. Trail cameras are a fantastic thing to help you be a student of those different aspects of nature, and you're going to learn a lot more about those in a little bit. Now, this might sound a little different than normal. I'm not really sure, but that will have to do with the fact that I am recording this portion of the interview, or I should say of the podcast, at home. And normally I do use the recording studio at my local school, at the school I work at, but I am in China and... Things can still be sometimes strange when you live in China. And I'm currently in the sixth day of house lockdown. That's right. That still happens here in China because of COVID-19. There were a couple of cases a few buildings away from me. So um, my family and I have been locked in our apartment. uh, And yeah, there we go for the last six days. Hopefully we'll be be free in a few days. Um, That's a whole topic for a different type of podcast. My thoughts on this. But back to environmental education and all of the neat things that um, around this really important topic. Now, um, I would like all of you guys to check out the Nature Talks podcast Facebook page. Um, We're growing. We're growing. I'd like to see it grow more and more. There's a lot of useful information there, a lot of links, a lot more information about this episode and every other episode of the podcast. The Nature Talks Facebook page is essentially where we have all of our show notes and lots of more information about the different people who come on the podcast, that topic, as well as other aspects of outdoor education, environmental education, climate action, and all of these important things that we really need to be focusing on today in 2022. All right. Well, you know what? Let's jump on to the podcast, into the episode, and uh, find out more about Japan Trail Cam. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Nature Talks podcast. And and this week, we've got a really fantastic episode, um, something that you probably weren't expecting, um, but something that has such an important, I, I feel, connection with nature, wildlife, learning about wildlife and learning about nature. And that's that's the whole thing about this podcast. We talk about if we can connect students and teachers and people with the natural world, um, they'll learn to love it and protect it. Um, so this week, we're going to be talking to Wombat from Japan Trail Cam. Uh, Wombat, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. 
Alan, I'm, I'm really excited to have you here. I've been following um, what you have been doing uh, on Japan Trail Camp for quite some time on Twitter, actually. I'm going to say at least, I want to say a couple of years, maybe a year and a half. And um, I also follow you on my, uh, my uh, Instagram and I enjoy all the Instagram mm-hmm. stuff. And on YouTube as well, I spent, um, I spent probably... Um, I'd say about 30 minutes watching uh, footage of, of critters on YouTube a couple of nights ago while uh, eating potato chips and drinking uh, Diet Coke. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was wondering, um, just to start things off, if you could uh, tell the uh, listeners maybe just a little bit about yourself and the origins of Japan Trail Cam. Sure. Um, so uh, I'm Wombat, and uh, as you might have known by my name, uh, Wombat is an Australian animal. I'm from Australia. Uh, but I came to Japan in 2010, I think. So I've been in Japan about uh, 12 years now. And uh, yeah, I've always been a bit of an outdoors person. Uh, so when I came to Japan um, in the mountains, most weekends, uh, just hiking. Mm. But uh, yeah, I became interested uh, in the wildlife in the mountains, uh, sometimes seeing deer and wild boar on my hikes. So um, it was up. About three years ago that I decided to get a trail camera and uh, yeah, just stick it in my local mountain up by behind my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I didn't get much on it, just uh, a rabbit and I think a, a boar or something like that. But mm-hmm. it was uh, really interesting to me. And yeah. Yeah, it just started from there. And uh, then later... So I, I put a couple of videos on YouTube uh, from my hiking channel. I had a YouTube hiking channel. Okay. And then I had a friend, uh, I, have, I have a friend, uh, American guy uh, lives nearby me. And he saw those videos and uh, he said, hey, I'd really like to get a trail camp too. Uh, so we kind of just started Japan Trail Cam. And now we have 10 or so camps nice. all around Fukuoka. Yeah. Nice, nice. And I heard an interview with your your partner in crime, so to speak. On uh, he was featured on an episode of JJ Walsh's Seeking Sustainable Japan, I believe. Right. Um, that is, uh, I was on one of her early episodes. I want to say early, it was like one thirty. Now she's uh, like over four hundred episodes. She is just uh, mm. a tour de force when it comes to sustainability and podcasting. Um, but um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Trail cams. Here's a term that just we'll, we'll maybe touch on for a moment for the listeners out there. I think probably a lot of people won't know what that is. I happen to because I have one and I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've experimented and I plan on doing more with trying to record wildlife in my local area. Um, but yeah, so mm-hmm. could, I was wondering if you could tell the listeners, what is a trail camera? Sure. It's uh, basically a, a sensor camera that you can leave outside so it's waterproof uh it's tough and uh yeah mostly used by uh hunters for um scouting uh but uh of course i don't do any hunting Uh, i use it for uh observing wildlife but uh, yeah it's basically just a sensor camera you stick on a tree uh something uh moves into the trigger zone uh it starts recording or it takes a picture Yes, basically what it is. But uh, yeah, mostly used by hunters. Um, so they're set up to be tough and you can leave them for months and months in the forest and yeah, they'll keep going. So long battery life. 
But uh, yeah, they're using being used more and more for uh, conservation or just observing wildlife too. Yeah, I was gonna say like I know like now I, I'm I'm this is gonna be a stretch for me here, but like as far as hunters go, would that be would hunters use them in order to try to kind of mm, scout out potential areas that might be kind of fruitful for hunting, like areas that might have a lot of wildlife? Is that why they would use them? Yeah, so um, they put them in the in the forest where they they're planning to hunt and and see um the deer growing basically okay. uh, there's uh forums and uh like reddit where people show their pictures of the bucks that they want to get the next hunting season oh okay so they're, they're actually following the growth oh, wow. of the deer even uh, before hunting season Oh, that's interesting. Um, and I know through a conservation lens, um, I think, to be honest, before I got my first trail cam, oh, my first, my only, I only have one, um, but uh, it was a birthday gift to me from my brother in Canada. Um, but I remember when he asked me, he's like, what do you want for your birthday, Kevin? I said, mm-hmm. a trail camera. And I'd heard about them from uh, my first or second, I think my first year in China, where I'm based now. I was actually in Beijing and I was following yeah. a group called the Snow Leopard Trust who are doing a lot of mm. conservation work, really important conservation work in the, the really hard, hard, hard mountains of Inner Mongolia. And these are incredibly mm. hard places to access, even pre-COVID, just because of the terrain. And I know that they had a program where basically they, had, they were hiring, they were raising money and funds and donations to hire locals and to buy trail cameras and they would have mm. the locals go up into the mountains and they gave, they gave them training to set up the trail cams to record snow leopards, which are a very elusive animal. Um, mm, great. And they had a website, which I'll share with you um, later on, um, where they would have uh, these incredible photos of, of the snow leopards and other really neat animals like mm. coming up and checking out the cameras and walking by and, and all these yeah, things. Yeah. So they were trying to get as many um, cameras in the hands of these local conservation workers uh, in order to record mm-hmm. data and learn about the different uh, snow leopards. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I follow you um, on all of your different social media places, but I'm sure a lot, you know, I'm sure most, for most of the listeners, you're, you're mm-hmm. going to be new to them. So what are some of the different things that you've captured over time on your trail cameras? Well, um, there's a there's a bunch of animals that uh, are so common that we expect to see every time we uh, pick up a camera, mm-hmm. and that would be uh, wild boar, probably the the most captured animal from our cameras. Um, wild boar, deer, uh, raccoons, uh, tanuki, which mm-hmm. uh, raccoon dog, different to raccoons. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of animals, uh, birds. Uh, even lizards from time to time, it picks up everything that moves basically mm. in front of the camera. Uh, but uh, more and more, we're thinking more about the placement of our cameras to capture not just an animal going past the camera, where we call it walk-by, but okay. uh, finding places where animals stop to do something uh, to observe behavior more. So we're more interested in, in the behavior, I think, as well. So hmm. I, I get, yeah. I was just going to say, I suppose as you're doing this, um, you know, maybe in the very beginning, it was really cool just to capture an animal, to see one, right? That's and then no, now yeah. the, the, with the more experience you've gained, it's, it's more interesting to look, kind of have a bit of a deeper dive, right? 
Right. Yeah. So yeah, at first, um, just a, a big wild boy walking past the camera, I'd be so excited. Wow, look at that. Uh, even now, like I'm excited to see to something like that. But uh, yeah, um, setting up at, for example, a wallow, where we can see uh, the the animals drink or the wild boar and deer um, get in the mud, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, seeing that kind of uh, behavior, it's really, um, it's what excites us at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think one thing I've learned from your channel, there was a video um, and I, you know, I learned some tips about um, placement of cameras. And, right. and, and I think, I'm not sure if it was you or uh, Dan. I think the, Dan put together that I think video. Dan put yep. that video where it was like the top places or tips for setting up your yep. trail camera. And I definitely got some great tips. And one of them was what you mentioned just now. You said like finding a wallow. Um, mm -hmm. finding a good location. And he had mentioned that, like finding a water source. It's important to put that right, near a right. water source because you're going to get a lot more traffic. Um, now, I'm, I'm, you know, just kind of to backtrack for a moment with, with regards to trail cameras, and again, for the people out there who don't know, um, you know, a trail camera is not... Some people might be familiar with something in America or Canada, like the ring doorbell system where you have this, like a camera um, doorbell and people ring it. And it can yep. stream. It can stream to your phone. Um, you know, I've got a I've got a contraption. I'm going to be setting up at school where it's like a Wi-Fi bird box. So there's going to be a Wi-Fi camera mm -hmm. inside a bird box. So when there's movement, anytime I could watch it on an app on my phone. Do the trail cameras work that way? Like, can you be sitting at home with your phone mm -hmm. watching what's going on in the forest? No, not not exactly. Um, you can get uh, cellular cameras. But what they'll do is once they've uh, recorded a video or taken a picture, they'll send it to your phone okay. like after the fact. Okay. Um, but uh, I don't have any of those, um, but uh, they're popular for hunters, again, back in, up in the States or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, some, some cameras will advertise that they have Wi-Fi, but what that means is um, basically that uh, you can – transfer the files from your camera to your phone using that oh, okay. Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. I gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, not like uh, your ring doorbell kind of setup. Okay. So, basically, we set up a camera and we might leave it for three or four weeks and we don't know if it's recording anything. You know, maybe we've chosen a bad spot or something. Mm. So, it's, um, yeah, a bit of like anticipation. Like when we go out to check it, it's really exciting for us how many clips is going to be on it. Um, yeah, what's going to be on the camera? Yeah, I love that. Nice. So there's an SD card in there, and you don't know what's on that SD card until you pop that in your laptop, right? R right, exactly. So in the field, I can open up the camera, and they have a little um, a tiny screen where you can uh, like uh, review the footage on, oh, the, okay. on the camera. Um, but uh, sometimes, yeah, you just kind of have a quick look to see if it's uh, capturing anything good, and then. Uh, yeah, just take out the, the card and bring it home or swap right. the card. If it's okay. good or if, if it looks like it's not getting good footage, move the camera somewhere else. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, put in a new SD card. Nice. Yeah. I, I've got one camera and it doesn't have that neat little screen to look through. And um, I've, oh, I've right. had that disappointment where I've brought it home and I pop that SD card into my MacBook and then the only two photos on it are one of me turning it on and one of me getting, one of me retrieving uh, it. Yeah, the only, yeah. The only videos I'm like, really? It's been here for two <laughs> weeks and like, that's it? 
<laughs> yeah, that, I guess yeah, that does happen. I, yeah. I've had um, bad bad spots like that too. Yeah. yeah, or where it's just like an off leash dog, and I'm like, wait a second, dogs aren't allowed on this mountain. <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> someone's breaking a rule. They're not allowed to let their dog walk here. Yeah, so I'm I'm wondering as you started this project and you've been doing it for a few years, what are some of the the different things you've been learning about lo- local wildlife that you didn't know before? And I'm curious if that's kind of like piqued an interest for you to kind of research more or get more more involved in learning about local wildlife. Sure. Well, yeah, I've learned a lot. Uh when I started, I really had no idea uh about the the diversity that's just in my own backyard. So learning about what different uh, uh, types and all the different animals in, in, the, in the forest. and But yeah, just looking at the animals, it uh, yeah, makes me want to research more about them and learn more about them. So um, yeah, I've been constantly uh, reading up on books. Um, I've got a pile of books right next to me now where they're just so good. And um, I, I mostly read it in Japanese because mm. there's not a lot in English. Yeah. Which it takes me twice the time. But Yeah. Uh, and uh, I've been kind of studying up on this test too, which is Seibutsu uh, Bunrui uh, Gino uh, test, which is uh, basically a biological classification test that ah. the Canadian Wildlife Research Center does. Oh, wow. So uh, I'm hoping to take that one day as well. Wow. So Ta- taxonomy up. stuff. That's, that's, that's a lot of memorization there. Even, even like in, when I, I, I would say in English, but it's all Latin stuff. I've taken some entomology courses. I'm a big bug nerd. So the taxonomy part, it's like there's so much to memorize and remember. And, um, and then we're frozen again. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I wonder. Hi. Let's see if this does it here. Will that help? Hello. Uh, I think this. Back? Yeah, we're back, and it's. I think this will help. Uh-huh. Uh, and it just says it says it's saying on my end that my internet connection's unstable. So I'm getting a little flashing. Your internet connection's unstable. But um, okay. So <clears throat> again, just more editing on my part. That's that's cool. That's fine. Whatever. It, yeah. it is what it is. It is what it is. I'll make it sound great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So like that that kind of taxonomy stuff. That's really that's that's hard stuff to learn in your own language, let alone in Japanese. I can't imagine. But good on you for that. Um, that's that's really uh, impressive. Um, you know. That is an interesting thing too. I was I, actually I just wanted to to ask you a quick question. Um, yep. Not you know where where in Japan are you? Like Japan obviously has some different regions. We didn't cover that part. Um, there is a you yep. know obviously you've got your Hokkaido, your Honshu, the different islands. What part of of the country are you in? So I'm in Kyushu, uh, northern Kyushu, up in Fukuoka Prefecture. Okay, so that's like the kind of most southern large island in yes, the archipelago. Yes, so- so it'd be uh, West Japan, the, the south, big island down south. Yep. I wonder, are there some animals in your neck of the woods that don't exist in other parts of Japan and vice versa? Uh, absolutely. So um, one of the big ones, the biggest one is bears. There are no bears in Kyushu. Oh, really? No, no bears at all? There were, but unfortunately not anymore. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit of a bummer for my trail camps, I guess, because, you know, I'd love to have bears on the channel. Uh, and because of that, uh, I also, I lend out cameras to other people around Japan. Oh, okay. Because, because there are, um, 
a few animals that we can't get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, friends and people helping me out. I send cam- I've got a camera up in Hokkaido now. Okay, uh, great. One in uh, Yamagata, one in Nagano. Nice. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they're helping out. The that's bear. Too. That's some bear country there, Nagano and Hokkaido for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Oh wow! If I was still in, I used to live in Hyogo. So if I was there, I would help you out. Um, oh, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in the future, you know, I don't know when when that'll happen, but that we plan on kind of um, buying a house, hopefully in the next few years in Japan, my wife and I, and and uh, that'll be the base of operations. And it would probably be in that Kansai Hyogo region, but a bit, mm-hmm. you know, more kind of rural, and we'll see. But um, I suppose in a way too, it's kind of a blessing that you don't encounter a bear. You know, that's we want to capture them on cameras, but we we don't always want to see them in real life, right? Yeah, yeah. I put other people in danger, not me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a smart thinker right there. That's thinking. Um, so I'm curious too. Other things that you've learned about um, now, you know, one of the topics that comes up often, um, you know, that will in the future. I know in this podcast, and that comes up a lot when we talk about the issues that we face when it comes to conservation. Mm-hmm. is that of you know threats to wildlife um and i just remember you mentioned earlier and i've seen it in your videos you've seen i've seen mm. raccoons um on mm. your on your cameras i'm not talking about tanuki but i'm like actually like uh am i right araguma is that right is that araguma yes araguma the raccoons so uh, i'm pretty sure they're invasive aren't they they are invasive uh yeah they came over from the us um and yeah they are pretty much everywhere and okay. a big problem. So yeah, so uh, that kind of leads me into thinking, what are some of the threats that you've been learning about as far as, I mean, this is a big question, obviously. You could you could <laughs> you write multiple dissertations, PhD dissertations on this, but what are some, what are some of the, the obvious threats that you've been learning about uh, with yeah, wildlife well, since you've been doing this? Right, definitely um, invasive species and uh, also um, deforestation, um, yeah, land clearing, uh, that kind of thing. Um, oh, what else? Mm, I guess those are the main things. Uh, yeah. Habitat loss. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 with these, for example, like these these uh, raccoons. Um, mm-hmm. What are what are some of the stresses or the negative aspects of having them in the local environment now? Well, they they live um, close to well among uh, tanuki. Uh, populations, raccoon dog, which are uh, endemic in Japan, uh, mm. native species. So they compete for resources with mm. uh, them. Yeah. Uh, also, they they eat. Well, they eat a lot of uh, like native uh, crabs and salamanders and uh, lots of that. Yeah, the native wildlife there. They're mm. eating. And you hear often about like on the news. Um, well, I mean, at least in the news I'm listening to, um, uh-huh. about the salamanders, especially in Japan, giant salamanders and different types right, of yeah. aquatic creatures. And those are often the ones that are the most vulnerable, right? Because they're so sensitive. Right, exactly. um, and the last thing we need is an invasive species munching down on them. We, I think, I mean, there's all kinds of terms in Canada where they refer to them as garbage bandits or trash pandas. Um, all these different terms. And ironically enough, when I think about the trail camera that I was given by my brother, he lives in Eastern Ontario, Canada. And once he gave it to me, I set it up in his backyard and he lives Mm -hmm. in a, 
a pretty small city of about 50,000 people. But I remember mm. catching uh, skunks and raccoons and all kinds of mm. stuff in his backyard, but a lot of raccoons. Um, yeah. And uh, he, he, my, my brother hates them. He just thinks they're awful because <laughs> they, de- they, they destroy his garden and they've actually, they'll like, you know, like chase cats and hurt like people's pets and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I, I can't hate them. You know, I know they're an invasive species and uh, they're bad for the, the, the environment here, but, uh, you know, it's not their fault that they're yeah, here. Yes. That's um, it's our fault, right? Right. Exactly. People, people are always the cause of invasive species, right? That's, they don't, they don't, right. they didn't, they didn't buy a yacht and come across the Pacific on their own, did they? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, particularly with uh, raccoons, they, they came over as uh, pets. Mm. After a uh, popular anime, popular Japanese animation oh. about a raccoon, and uh, it's uh, it's funny in in the uh, animation, the the raccoon causes problems and it gets released, and that's exactly what happened when people brought them in as pets. You know, they're really cute when they're small, but when they grow up, you know, start tearing the house apart. Yeah, and, uh, they get let out into the forest, and that's uh, where we are now. I'm just shaking my head, folks. If you could only see, I'm just shaking my head because that's that's often the tale with people who, um, you know, the red-eared slider, which is an invasive turtle that's all over Japan. It's all over China too. Mm. I mean, that's right, that's from right. the southern United States, and it's uh, so many parents buy those as pets for their kids, and within a, a week to a month to a year, find themselves in local ponds and river systems. Mm. Um, but uh, you know. As far as an educational tool goes, you know, would you say like all the footage that you've been compiling that you are, um, it sounds like you're refining your practices. Um, how do you think all of this footage or in moving forward in the future could be used as an mm-hmm. educational tool? Sure. Well, um, when I started, it was basically just for my own kind of hobby kind of thing. But uh, of course, more and more, I'm thinking, yeah, it could be a good educational tool. Um, last year, I, I made a kind of compilation of uh, different uh, animals in my area in Fukuoka and uh, where they are, some maps, and I gave it to my son, my son's elementary school. And uh, they've been showing that video in classes at nice. uh, his school. So uh, I guess that kind of thing, um, raising some awareness of uh, what animals are around you Um, yeah yeah more like research wise i'm not sure what i could offer at the moment um but uh yeah if someone could find it useful in some way like i'd be happy to i'm sure i'm sure like i'm sure if in the future you're able to make like connections with like biologists or people from local universities i'm sure that you know, maybe in the future, some kind of partnership mm-hmm. could be made. Yeah, that um, would be great. Yeah. But I guarantee yeah. that I, I know your son's school must love that, but I, I'm sure two other schools um, would like that as well. Now, I mean, I know that Japanese schools maybe aren't um, as connected with each other, maybe on like places mm-hmm. like social media as like maybe international <laughs> schools where I work. Um, but I'm sure even places like Fukuoka International School, I know there's a school there and maybe some of those. Yeah, I, I'd love to get it out. I should be more proactive in would be. Uh, contacting schools, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. this is like, I, I can think of like, because I can remember even like, for example, when I was teaching in Beijing, um, teaching in, uh, and I taught in Kobe, Japan, 
um, we would bring in people from the community who were experts on things and 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 knew mm-hmm. a lot of stuff and and have them do presentations for kids. I would bring people in to do presentations about birds and local birds in the community and bird watching and gardening and farming we would yeah. bring all these people in so maybe that's it's something in the future maybe i can mm. through my through my network maybe i can connect you with some people um because i'm yeah, that would be great yeah i've got the long tendrils of twitter um <laughs> <laughs> out there connecting with teachers yeah. around the world and for those of you listening out there too um yeah uh so you know why okay so you know i'm i'm, I'm throwing out all kinds of big questions but um oh. why would you say it's important for people to learn about the wildlife, to learn about these things in their local community, like no matter where it is they live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think, um, well, firstly, um, a lot of the people I've talked with uh, around me in my, in my neighborhood, um, people that come through my work, they don't really know what's in the forest they don't really know what's in the mountain behind their house or i live in a pretty country area but even still like i t- i show some people you know a video of a, a tanuki and they're like, oh that's in that mountain so um yeah mm. i think awareness is important and um if people know what is close to them what animals are close to them they're more likely to care about the animal which is uh, of course important for conservation, um, making decisions uh, in uh, even even government or whatever, mm-hmm. to have this caring for the animals that are around us. You know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess it starts with kids too. Like you ask a, a kid, um, what's your favorite animal? They might say elephant or lion, tiger, which is fine. But uh, maybe if they, they learned more about the animals that are in their backyard and they, they cared more about those animals, you know, those kids are going to grow up to be your know, future leaders and uh, mm. our conservationists, right? Yep. So that's exactly yeah, what it's I so feel. Important to to know what's what's around them. Yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel. That's it. You're preaching to the choir here, um, <laughs> it, it, because so many people have a disconnect, right? And if you have that disconnect, if you don't know anything about the nature around you and you don't know about the animals, like who cares if something bad happens to it? Or you know, that's kind of right. the, it's always oh, someone else's problem. We don't. But I mean, that simple act of or the simple idea of understanding what's around you and to know that like tanuki are really interesting animals they're really curious and uh they're cute there's a cute factor too and we know that the cute factor can go a really long way with helping conservation efforts right um and and you can start start with that right you know these animals really cute check it out and then from there you know they can look at maybe the the not so cute animals yeah 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 right Exactly, because they're they're equally as important. They're not so cute ones. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, one one animal that I see a lot in your videos that I never knew much about, but I just think they're adorable are the badgers. Um, oh, yeah, great. Their badgers are so cool. There's some really cool videos on your your all over your you know your Twitter, your your uh, Insta, and all that stuff of, of badgers. Yeah, yeah. They, they look they look really similar to European badgers, I guess, except for the coloring. Um, but uh, yeah, Japanese badgers they're great. I I have a. Uh, a badger set that I often go to, which is uh, not far from me. And I've had some great videos setting up near there. Badgers, um, you know, taking out their, their bedding and uh, drying it out, getting in fresh bedding, that kind of mm. thing. Some some fights. Yeah, um, I've seen a few of those, like one one trying to invade another's little burrow or whatever it might be. Yeah. And- 
Yeah, I, saw, yeah, I saw one recently of one one badger came on the screen just alone and then all of a sudden i don't know if he was like itchy or what the deal was but he kind of curled <laughs> up all of a sudden like kind of spazzed out and flipped around a bit and kind of yeah. got up and just like walked away it was like what was that what happened <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they're really funny um they're great to watch um their little waddle walk and yeah. uh, sometimes you know they do somersaults or something like that yeah, yeah. absolutely um yeah so i'm i'm you know uh, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, I don't want to keep you much longer here, but you mentioned that you're refining a lot of the places where you're putting the cameras. Yeah. So, um, you know, what kind of, what kind of things, uh, in the future, I, I assume, I mean, you also, you've already mentioned that you're sending some cameras off into other parts of, uh, Japan to capture, mm-hmm. um, some wild, different types of wildlife. What are, I guess, I don't know, Japan trail cam bucket list. What are some things that in the, in the future you'd hope to capture and be able to share with us? Oh, yeah. Well, at the moment, we don't have any Cero on the channel. Cero uh, in Japanese. Oh, yeah. What is a Cero? Okay. I, I, do, I, I know what that is, but for the listeners, what is a Cero? A Cero is a... It kind of looks like a small deer, but it's not a deer. It's, a, it's a more closely related to goat in the goat family. But um, I guess it's a kind of... Antelope? I, I don't want to. Yeah, they're really hard to explain, but, right? Um, <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll need to find some photos and share. The guys, um, go. I always promote the new Facebook page. Go to the new Facebook page and uh, on and my Twitter and 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 go to and we'll uh, I'll share some pictures of what a cero is because it is yeah it's hard to it's kind of like a deer it's kind of like a goat kind of like an antelope. Right. <laughs> they're yeah, small, yeah, but, but they, they're cool looking. They are, they are cool, and um, they, they, aren't in Ky- they are a few in Kyushu, but really small population, uh, so I have better chance uh, sending out cams to get them. Uh, but uh, people often see them hiking, and uh, they're kind of really mysterious. They won't run away so quickly. You see okay. a deer in the, in the forest, and bam, it takes off, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, sorrows, they kind of hang around and you know, see what's going on. So people have some really great uh, kind of uh, meetings with them hiking. Need. Right. Need. So, and yeah, it, definitely a sorrow on the channel would be great. Um, anything else? Uh, brown bears. Wow. Yeah. In Hokkaido. Uh, we'd love to get them on the channel. And uh, yeah, just anything new we're really excited about, mm-hmm. even if it's a, a different species of bird that we haven't had before, I get excited about that. Yeah, uh, I have so many great bird videos, but uh, generally we don't put them on YouTube or, or Twitter or anything like that because um, a trail camera can only give you uh, not great video quality. So for me, it's exciting to see the birds, but uh, for like social media or whatever, I just keep it for myself. <laughs> but, oh, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, the bigger animals like uh, bears or something like that be really exciting to have on the channel. Mm. Yeah. And there's a quite a quite a big bear population in northern Japan, not just Hokkaido, but a lot of black bears and stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah, Asia, lot, yeah. yeah, cool. Well, um, where can those out there listening today, where can they find um, Japan Trail Cam on social media? If you could hear, sure. just shout, shout out where you are, all the places. Bas- basically everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But um, mainly, uh, mainly we're on uh, YouTube and Twitter. I think that's what we use mostly. So, um if you search YouTube for Japan Trail Cam, we should come up. And um, 
on Twitter at Japan Trail Cam. I, I tweet uh, clips uh, daily or almost daily. Um, mm-hmm. I tweet a lot. And, uh, but other than that, uh, on Instagram, we post a little uh, and we have a Facebook page that I probably should update a bit more often. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. nice. Main yeah. things are YouTube and Twitter. Yeah, there's, it's really interesting. Different demographics are in different places, right? So like for me, um, building a Facebook page is a big thing because I'm kind of really focused on educators and a lot of educators are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so I that's... Think YouTube is a, is, a, is a great place mm. for us to just kind of dump long videos. Yeah. Like if you want to chill out, watch a video. But we use Twitter as kind of a kind of a separate thing. Twitter yep. is more like um, here's some like information about some animals. Engagement, or, uh, right? Short, short clips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Twitter. Twitter is another fantastic place for all of you teachers listening because teachers are really big into Twitter. That's one of those spaces mm. where teachers, all educators, really spend a lot of time on Twitter. And there's a like just massive communities of teachers. So go over on Twitter and follow at Japan Trail Cam. Instagram. I'll put all these links in the show notes. Um, yeah. 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 Wombat, it's been great talking to you today. I really appreciate it. And uh, definitely learned a lot. And uh, thank you. Yeah. 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 So awesome. So there you go, guys listening. Trail cams. If you never knew what they were, now you do. And you, you now understand that they have an important place in conservation. And there's a lot we can learn about the natural world from them. And uh, maybe if, if, if you live outside, it, I mean, if you live near the woods, go get yourself a trail cam. great thank you so much kevin all right again i want to thank wombat for taking the time to stop by the nature talks podcast and you know what it was a great conversation i learned a lot i'm inspired i'm looking forward to in the future when i'm living somewhere a little less urban to be able to get more trail cameras and get outside and document more of what's around me and the, and, the, and the wildlife circles um, around me. Um, yeah, so again, a, a, fantastic, a fantastic episode. I'm sure there's a lot of takeaways. I really think a trail camera would be a fun educational tool to have on a school campus. Wouldn't that be neat if you had um, a little bit of a park behind your campus or around it or a little bit of um, forested area around where your, where your school is or even just some big garden spaces to be able to set that camera up at night and see if you get any visitors to your school. I bet that would really excite the kids at your school and really excite the, the different students to see if you had any raccoons or skunks or different things like that prowling about the campus in the evening. That would be a very cool little educational tool to have in your back pocket. Um, yeah, so again, you can find um, Japan Trail Cam uh, all over Twitter. That's a really active place for Japan Trail Cam. So twitter.com slash Japan Trail Cam over on YouTube at Japan Trail Cam and on Instagram at Japan Trail Cam. All those links will be in the show notes. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, There'll be a lot more information over on the Nature Talks podcast Facebook page. So go over there, like it, follow it, share it with people you know. And speaking of sharing, it's time to talk about that stuff. So, uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at MadForMaple, where I share this podcast a lot. And I'd really appreciate it if you share this podcast. Help us grow. We're getting bigger each and every day, little by little. And you can help push us further and further. Uh, Wherever you listen to us, please leave a rating and a review. For example, if you're over on Apple Podcasts, you can give us a rating or a review there. Um, Or on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever it may be. Also, 
If you're an educator listening to this, you're probably on Facebook, you're probably on Twitter. Please share the links and the information about these episodes and the different education groups, the environmental education, the climate action, the sustainability uh, Facebook groups you may be involved in. Please share these uh, episodes. It'll definitely help us grow faster. Um, Spread the word amongst the people that you work with about this podcast. Get them inspired. We have a lot more incredible guests coming in the next few weeks. I'm really excited. Some really amazing people doing amazing things, just like the guests we've had on so far. So again, I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting the Nature Talks podcast. My name is Kevin O'Shea. I'm a Canadian. I'm an educator. I uh, live and work in Shenzhen, China, and I am hoping that you are happy wherever you are. I hope you have a chance to get outside into nature today, and if you are an educator, to get your kids out into nature and to do something about making our world a better place because right now we need all boots on the ground. We need all hands on deck. What are some other sayings I can use? Yeah, we need a lot of help, guys, to make this world a better place. And you guys, by listening to this podcast, might be getting some ideas of how you can do that. All right. Well, that's it for this episode, episode number 15 of the Nature Talks podcast. I'll be talking to you again in a week. See you then.